by adding these interventions and by adding in sort of the availability of data, you can start to make changes that are really impacting people's livelihoods and people's lives. So yeah, I'm excited about this increased connectivity that's happening, not just in people's homes in America, but around the world as well. Welcome to The Future Of, a podcast by Fresh Consulting, where we discuss and learn about the future of different industries, markets, and technology verticals. Together, we'll chat with leaders and experts in the field and discuss how we can shape the future human experience. I'm your host, Jeff Dance. In this episode of The Future of IoT, we're joined by Donna Moore, CEO and chairwoman of Laura Alliance, and Reg Orton, product development lead at Fresh Consulting, to explore the future of IoT. Welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on this episode focused on the future of IoT. And given how big IoT has become, you know, I think what billions and billions, 12 billion devices now or more, you know, connected to the internet, it's exciting to have two leaders who've been involved in both projects, products, and standards that, you know, cover the world. For those that don't know you, if we could get some quick, you know, insights into your your experience with IoT and a bit more about your journey. Donna, if we can start with you, can you tell the listeners about yourself? I've been in the standards world for quite a few years, maybe 10, 15 years. And I really, really believe in standards in terms of making it easier for consumers and being able to adapt and grow. But I started my career in healthcare. So many people don't know that. Actually, as a registered nurse and moved into healthcare and then went on the operations side and became a CEO of a very large healthcare company and wanted to get into technology to bring it back to healthcare. But I loved it so much. I ended up staying. And but this, the crazy thing is it's a full circle. So with Laura Wan right now, and in particular, the types of deployments, it really is about you know sustainable IoT, improving quality of lives, impacting businesses, bottom lines, which is exactly my background from operations and healthcare. So it's kind of come full circle. So currently you're the CEO and chairwoman at the Laura Alliance. Tell us a little bit more about the Laura Alliance. Yeah. So the Laura Alliance is seven years old and it is an open standard. We do three key things, which is develop and maintain the LoRaWAN standard, which is a low power wide area networking standard. We market the standard and we have a certification program for devices. And those are our really our pillars of what we do and drive the adoption in the market. And then I also noticed that for 10 years, you were the executive director and on the board of the Digital Living Network Alliance, which was also like an international alliance around standards, tools, and, and certification for IoT. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, that was interesting because back then we were doing home networking. We were the first group that was really around, you know, connecting devices in the home. And back then a big task was really educating consumers about getting their network set up or how to connect devices. It's crazy. Now you've got the home market that has so many standards and it's, you know, crazy about all the different technologies that are happening in the home. But back then it wasn't. And we had a really successful run. We had over 4 billion certified devices in the market, and it's still used today, primarily in automotive. They're doing connected cars and with a lot of other products that are in the home. So the Lorwin World Expo is an international event. It's a two-day event in Paris for Lorwin, and it's July 6 and 7, and we're bringing together 
all the industry uh, thought leaders and experts around IoT, specifically Laura Wan. We have ESG tracks. We have panels like with smart cities and agriculture explaining how to develop Laura Wan, how to drive your business. We have very strong technical tracks certification of device tracks. So um, with a lot of vendors really demonstrating the types of devices and solutions that are out there around LoRaWAN. And so it is, if anyone's at all doing anything in IoT, highly recommend going to the LoRaAlliance.org website and check into the event in Paris. Excited to learn from you. Reg, can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? Sure. So as you introduced myself, I'm the product development lead here at Fresh. And my background, I'm an engineer, product designer by training and by, by experience. I spent about 10 years designing medical devices and diagnostics, and then took a pretty big departure about eight, nine years ago, and started working in telecoms and specifically telecoms for emerging markets, where I started a company called Brick that was designed to uh, connect the next billion people. And as part of that wasn't just connecting the people, was connecting things and enabling livelihoods through using connected hardware. And so spent, yeah, like I said, almost 10 years doing that, deploying hardware across the emerging markets. And now here at Fresh, developing those products and taking them to the next level. Curious about the experience you had. As I understand, you spent a lot of time in uh, Africa, like, you know, bringing in, in, in South America as well. And curious about how experiences you had where you watched people get connected that hadn't been connected before. Can you speak to that uh, a little bit? Yeah, it's an amazing thing. And it's, you know, really, if you think about what a next generation or economy looks like, or how to enable an economy and grow an economy, you need two things, you need power, and you need connectivity. Those things enable the industry to grow and and improve and enable GDP and growth and all that all that great stuff. And What's interesting over the last 10 years is watching IoT and watching it come into these emerging markets and enable new businesses that we'd never thought of before. Right. You know, things like asset management, where you can start to, like groups like Mcopa that have gone out and built IoT-controlled lighting so that you can then you know, provide lights to people that couldn't afford them before and now offer a pay-as-you-go service. You know, I think they now have over 2 million customers across the continent that honestly would not have that ability if it wasn't for these tools like IoT and LoRa. Yeah, just amazing, amazing stuff going on. Good stuff. What is really IoT? Like, when did it really start? Donna, can you give us a little bit of a history? I know it's pretty basic, but for some folks, this is still, they maybe quite haven't grasped all that it is. So the IoT really started, it's an internet of things, and it's connecting things to the internet to provide data. I mean, that's kind of the IoT. And you know, it's interesting. It is here, it's now, and a lot of people think it just happened overnight, but it didn't. It's been in evolving for years, all the work behind the scenes, and it feels like, you know, nothing, 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 and then all of a sudden it's here. So, you know, many companies have been working on the development of their devices. So to put out IoT to it takes a village, I will say that. And the value chain consists of, you know, devices, gateways to take the data from the, de- the devices, uh, network servers, application servers, networks themselves. So, and there's all types of networks, particularly with LoRaWAN. There's public networks, private networks, satellite networks. We now have community networks, if anyone's heard of Helium. And then hybrid, where you can roam devices 
uh, like RedShed for tracking between networks. So it's really a matter of collecting information from things. And it's a wireless battery operated device that lasts around 10 years, depending on the use case. So it's collecting the data, networking the data and bringing it back to a dashboard that provides real insights. And again, there's, there's devices and actuators. So it's not even just looking at the data and then I have to do something. You can set up alarms and alerts. You can set up the actuators. So once there is a gas leak, it automatically turns off the gas, you know? So it's an incredible, incredible technology for the world. And it really helps improve life, safety. I mean, I could go on and on. It really helps the planet with our resources, water conservation, air quality, increasing food around the world. Again, there's just so much that it does in terms of improving lives. And then from a performance standpoint, because you know increased performance equals increased profits, the ability for LoRaWAN to improve operations, both from an efficiency and an effective standpoint, rolls bottom right, dollars right to the bottom line. So that's kind of IoT in a nutshell. Reg, what are your thoughts on sort of the current landscape, where we are today with IoT? 20 years ago, I was working on something that wasn't even called IoT, but it was looking at how you can connect medical devices to the internet that was relatively nascent at that point in time compared to what it is now and trying to improve compliance. So how do you like track medical device use to make sure the patients are doing the things they need to do to get themselves healthier? And it was hard work. We were having to build circuits from scratch and build servers from scratch and and set up this entire ecosystem that didn't exist. And then you sort of you progress through the kind of timeline over the last 20 years. And now you're getting to the point that you know you can buy silicon chips off the shelf now with embedded LoRaWAN. I, I think I saw one just came on the market um, a week ago that has a really high power processor plus a LoRa front end plus a connection to the cloud and all the ecosystem around it. And you mentioned Helium, where now we can just take an IoT device, throw it out into the open, and it will connect to any number of backhaul hotspots anywhere around the world. And it's becoming so accessible, and every device is under, or every industry is under to see the utility in it, that, yeah, it's growing exponentially. In addition to the conversation we had with our guests on today's episode, we asked another expert to provide their insights on the future. Hi, my name is Rob Tiffany. I got my start with the Internet of Things back in the 90s, monitoring vending machines, you know, tracking inventory, things like that. Today, I'm leading a company called Sustainable Logics, where I'm using digital twin and industrial IoT technology not for commercial purposes, but to tackle the biggest challenges in society today, kind of focused on those 17 sustainable development goals outlined by the United Nations to tackle things like hunger and poverty and climate issues, water, things like that. So what are aspects of IoT that are open to innovation? I think some of the biggest innovations right now on the data side, once you've captured that telemetry data from your IoT endpoints, is around uh, technology concept called digital twins. And so that's basically modeling a physical asset entity or process uh, digitally as a digital representation of that. And so that's a great way to understand and apply analytics to things that are in the real world. And so 
industrial digital twins or something I've seen for years uh, in the manufacturing space. A lot of that grew from manufacturing and from NASA, but I'd say lately, here in 2022, I see the words digital twin almost every day out there in the media. So I know that technology is going mainstream and it's really innovative. It's a great way to wrap your head around all those things that you're monitoring. I wanna talk more about, you guys have a common thread of kind of healthcare background and this notion of saving lives. I wanna dive into that a little bit in the future as we think about like all the possibilities because that's one of the biggest. But just as if we can stay here in the present a little bit, Reg, for you, we've heard a lot about 5G over the last few years. Most of us, many of us have 5G-capable phones now. How is that a paradigm change for IoT? How does that affect IoT, if any? Yeah, so it's, 5G is an interesting, interesting protocol, an interesting set of standards that really augments uh, a lot of the existing networks that are around. And so 5G starts to implement some ideas around, currently with 4G, you're limited by the number of connections you can make. Things start to get slow, start to get congested. Batteries don't last as long as they could. With 5G, we're starting to see some new technologies come on the market that allow for lower cost devices, lower power devices, and many, 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 many more devices that can work across spectrums and can work across standards as well. And so previously, we were just stuck in the LTE realm. And now we can start to bring in things like LoRaWAN into that 5G ecosystem and Wi-Fi and, and LTE advanced, any other you know, CBRS technologies that can start to bring in this Freda ecosystem and all this data coming into one place so we can be smarter about that data. And definitely one thing we are seeing as well is the acceleration of the amount of data. We're collecting so much information from so many places and so many devices that the backhaul starts to become limiting unless we start to move into these 5G worlds. It seems like everyone is doing something big in this space, but who are some of the biggest players that are kind of moving the needle around IoT that are truly accelerating it? Don, I'm interested in your thoughts on who some of the biggest players are. Well, I'm going to go back to the value chain. So there's, it requires multiple stakeholders in the value chain to do what they do and do what they do best. And so that's why the Lore Alliance, we have, you know, four to 500 members and we have representation of all stakeholders of the value chain. So it depends on what part of the value chain you're talking about it. So on our board, we have AWS, we have Microsoft, and they're really keen with their cloud. You know, we have, you know, Simtech, ST as chip providers. We have hundreds of uh, device makers, module makers, because again, as Reg pointed out in the long time ago when you were saying, Reg, they had to find the pieces. Well, so now we have hundreds of full end-to-end solutions by our members that partner and collaborate. We have thousands of devices out there. So to say who, I mean, we have big network players, we, you know, Orange and Paris and everyone in tech, essentially. Yeah. And you say, who's the biggest, it depends on the space that they're trying to fill, right? So everybody has a, a role and then they typically partner and collaborate to provide the full end-to-end solution because historically, if I was a customer trying to implement something, I'd have to find someone to make this type of device and then someone to put it in my network and then someone to have an application platform. So we're not there anymore, thank goodness. <laughs> and again, that's where an open standard plays because all of these uh, value chain partners come together over the same standard and they connect in and work together. I've heard this term, uh, the internet of everything, because it like 
the Internet of Things. And then it's like, well, it seems like anything could be connected now. It's like you're the trees, the water, the, the soil that you're the, the farmers are, you, you know, your pet. What are some of the trends we're seeing right now with IoT now that so many things are connected? The thing that I'm really excited about with IoT is the adoption or the creation of new business models that never existed before. And things that we didn't think about connecting before are now ever-present and actually really interesting. I mean, you, you brought up connecting soil. And while that's interesting, you can kind of measure your soil, like you make sure you have a, an alert that tells you that you haven't watered your plant in weeks. I definitely need one of those. But you can actually start to enable new business models and you can start to see farmers that are now able to get insurance because they have soil sensors that can tell the insurance company the risk profile of what happens when a drought comes. Or you start to see companies that can do outgrowing of vegetables because they trust that their supply chain is going to be there because they can track fertilizer movements, they can track how much you know, pH is in the soil, and they can track you know, temperatures and the effects of, of any kind of climate change on their business model. You know, I mentioned before asset financing, where you can track, I met a company that was tracking industrial printers for newspapers so that they could start to charge, uh, they could start to finance big printers rather than having that massive capital expenditure in the, in the beginning and again manage risk. So I think that's the thing that I'm, I'm excited about is like I don't know what the future holds and that's a great thing because these new business models are going to come and come out of our left field and really change the way that we work. Very much again to Reg's point, once you have the networks up, you know, you have the network up, I'll take smart city for a starting. And there are many, many cities around the world that have uh, LoRaWAN smart cities deployed. And so say the network is up, typically they start with lighting on the street lights, and they'll put a gateway and they'll monitor the lights. So they are tracking and censoring what's happening with lights for safety, for energy efficiency. But then once you have your network up, it goes to utilities. So water waste management for conservation, for water quality, and then it goes to air, air quality, and um, it goes to traffic, you know, monitoring and managing traffic. When buses are coming, it goes to parking spaces, it goes to smart waste cans. It, I mean, it's unlimited. So once your network's up, you can add device, you know, or use case after use case. I mean, one LoRaWAN gateway takes tens of thousands of devices. So that's exciting. And when you talk about agriculture, oh my gosh, that's one of our key ones where we have farmers, we're literally increasing the world's food supply. And it's through improving crop yields by water, foil, you know, soil management for the farmers. I mean, it goes on and on beyond that, right? The nutrients and, and whatnot. And through water and through food waste, we reduce food waste by tracking cold storage of food when it's being transferred during delivery in stores and restaurants. And so a lot of times, if you don't have the right temperatures, you'll waste a lot of food and we prevent that. So in terms of what's happening now, it every vertical that I see is happening, it's expanding. You know, let me just do one on safety. Again, I could do this all day, but I think safety is a huge one. And when you look at LoRaWAN deployments that are, we have devices out there that tell us when, you know, tsunami, floods, fire, earthquakes are coming through vibrations, through water, through temperature sensors. We have alerts for mining shafts, for construction sites, for oil refineries, panic buttons. We have structural alerts for bridges and buildings. If they're starting to crack or crumble or have some structural integrity, we have alerts for actual assets like Reg talked about. So it's 
it's tracking the assets to know where they are or to prevent theft, but it's also tracking what's happening inside the crates. Is the temperature right? Is there breakage happening? So again, it is so expansive. Your original question of internet of things versus internet of everything, I think that's just relabeling what's really happening, but we are tracking. I like to say that anything your eyes can see is going to be somehow improved to help. And that's, you know, that's what we're seeing with LoRaWAN. Reg, what are your thoughts on sort of the future? If we think about the future 10 to 20 years from now, how is IoT sort of changing the landscape or how is IoT changing? So we, we are starting to see the point that everything is becoming measurable or we have the ability to go in and measure so many different things. And one of the interesting parts of that is when that information becomes smarter and better and we can start to bring in lots of different sensor types to start to determine outcomes that we didn't think were determinable before. And so I think the things I'm excited about kind of going into the future of IoT are how we can improve efficiencies and reduce waste. I think it's still, I forget the exact number, but it's something like 70% of the world's water utilities are non-revenue. And so they're wasting significant amount of water based on leaks. And can we go through and measure that water, measure those leaks so that we can, you know, preserve our, our fresh water supplies around the world. You know, what can we do that's really impactful that's going to change society? It's interesting to think about, you know, what's in the home and interest, you know, your smart coffee maker and, and what that can do. And you can, you turn your oven on from your, as you're driving home, so your dinner's ready by the time you get there. But I think the IoT world, it's bigger than that. It's really, it's going to start to, it is impacting society in so many wonderful ways. I'm excited about the impact and the equality that can come out of this, this data that's coming out of the IoT sensors. Yeah, and I'll say uh, something that really excites me that's fairly new is digital twins, which is a virtual environment. And it, it's a virtual environment of either an object, a thing, a building, or a system. And it's already happening right now. It's not mainstream. But as digital twins, you know, they, they again, they take this virtual environment or building and they do simulations and they do different types of things. And it does predictive maintenance as well as, as preventative. And LoRaWAN sensors are a big key to that, right? Because we're feeding the digital twins this information. And, and also, there's more and more happening on the edge with the gateways in terms of just the turnaround of AI, right? Getting smarter and smarter of the data that it's getting and producing back. So as AI and process automation continue and digital twins become more mainstream, we will see hyper performance and profits for businesses because that data just keeps getting smarter and smarter and smarter. What's IoT gonna look like 10 to 20 years from now? Well, if things go well, we won't be saying IoT anymore. It'll just disappear into the background. It'll fade back into the fabric of things. You know, right now, you know, like in the early days of any kind of technology revolution, there's lots of hype. You're always talking about it every day. It's new, it's exciting. We're right now, we're either building new products that have compute, storage, power, networking baked into them. But the most part in the industrial space, particularly, we're retrofitting old things and applying sensors and things like that to, to machines to get more insights from them and pulling data from different sources. And in the industrial space, you know, they don't get rid of old machines really quickly. They might be hanging around for decades. So we're gonna spend a lot of time retrofitting. But over time, these old machines that are having to retrofit, the newer versions of those machines, those things that make other machines, things in factories or airplanes or bullet trains or cars, all kinds of stuff, 
they're gonna start having those IoT-ish capabilities baked into them at time of manufacturing. And so while it's a big deal now to retrofit them, as we retire older products over time, the newer ones that are gonna start coming out in the coming years will have that capability baked into them right out of the box with connectivity and everything. And so when you buy whatever that product is, it will wake up that first time, make a connection and start sending telemetry about its health. What about AI? So we have, you know, as we think about the future of technology and the future of the human experience, it seems like the compounding of things, the fact that we have billions of devices that are now have AI in them, right? And that was really pushed by a lot of the voice AI platforms as a type of IoT. But where do we see that really making a big difference in the future? And that, that was sort of that meter of smart where it sounds like, hey, we're already doing a lot of projected or preventative maintenance or preventative health. We're saving lives, buildings, preventative insights on bridges you mentioned. All that sounds huge. But how do we see AI sort of impacting and accelerating the benefits of IoT? Yeah, I got to spend a bit of time a few years ago in Busan, South Korea. And Busan's one of the, the first and I think one of the strongest uh, smart cities around the world. And really, they've gone through and tried to put sensors on nearly everything from smart lighting to traffic lights to buttons to push when you're feeling at risk. And then including the, the ports and logistics and streets and sewerage systems. And the data that's starting to come out of that is saying that AI is really able to improve people's livelihoods by bringing in all this data that previously was siloed and start to like, you know, any human or anyone, one person can't go through and sift through that, that amount of data or determine insights from it. But with AI, we can take mass amounts of disparate data and turn it into something useful and start to, start to improve public safety, start to improve traffic patterns and efficiency, improve utility systems, like I said, in just ways that like, and not comprehensible by the just sheer amount of data that's coming out of these systems. You know, as well as that, there's definitely AI being used in understanding patterns of things that are like, you know, weather patterns and starting to look in the agricultural space of, you know, how do you how do you predict into the future what you need to add to your soil and what you need to when you need to water because you know the weather's gonna do something something coming coming up. So you need to like, you know, look back and look look forward in time to see that based on historical data. And so, yeah, definitely, as I said, we're seeing the impacts now and imagining what's in the future is quite incredible. Nice. One of the things that happened here in the local Seattle area is we had, uh, it was Orcas Island and our San Juan Islands. It was, it was they had a, a fiber connection that got cut and the, most of the economy of that, that island kind of got shut down essentially because it was, it was reliant on uh, the internet. And, you know, we, but we now have, Starlink coming up. You know, we have like the in Amazon Kuiper building a lot of infrastructure for the internet in you know in space. Any thoughts on how we stay ahead of some of the risks of having everything connected, but then having so much of our economy reliant on those connections? You know, there's also satellites too. Like I talked about, we have a lot of satellite companies within the alliance that are low orbiting satellites. And there are more and more devices that are coming out where it goes from device directly to satellite versus device to a gateway, terrestrial gateway, and then up. And so, I mean, I don't know if those will play more of a part on it or, um, but there are other, there are backup systems. And like I said, a lot of the stuff that's happening on is, is localized, right? So right in, it's, it's going right to the gateway and the data is on the gateway. So if there's any kind of two cloud 
catastrophe, you're still getting all the data being collected and processed there. Yeah, so I actually have a personal story in that I got stuck in an airport in northern Kenya at one point because the internet stopped working and the plane couldn't land. And so we were stuck there for two days based on a fiber cut. And so they are very real problems. And there's things coming into the future that are going to help prevent that with like really smart edge devices. So the processing capability of these devices is just improving rapidly. And so devices can make decisions themselves now. And AI that was previously just the domain of big cloud systems is able to be modeled in the cloud and then deployed uh, right at the edge. So you can do both this like more reliable model, but also faster. You can have faster response times to, to environmental effects. I think the other part of IoT that is, again, it's like changing, but it has some pretty big risks is, is security, is how we manage data security, how we manage security of devices. You know, there was some, you know, many cases of smart light bulbs using lower cost devices that, you know, really didn't have enough security on them and they exposed security risks to the local data. And as we start to see, like I said, increased processing capacity, increased encryption on devices, the availability of encryption that becomes much more secure. And then as those edge devices become more secure, the devices in your home become more secure. And eventually we get to this point that things are, you know, harder for vectors to, to come in here. And lots of people working, Microsoft's working on Azure Sphere and various like full end-to-end -end solutions of, of, of security. But I think it's something that we need to be make sure we're aware of. So as we move into the future, we can deliver a sustainable ecosystem. So what are the biggest challenges faced by IoT today? There's no shortage of challenges. I'd say, you know, the top ones that I experience have to do with complexity of Internet of Things solutions. Security is a big thing. Security is what gives chief information officers, CTOs, executives at companies that are looking to do IoT for all the obvious reasons of value, making money, saving money, new business models, safety, stuff like that. But IoT inadvertently created the largest attack surface in the history of computing. And so lots of hackers out there, they're never sleeping and they're attacking us all the time. And IoT certainly can add some vulnerability to company assets. And so that gives leaders pause. Is the upside good enough to outweigh the possible downside from hack attacks? What about healthcare? Let's, you know, we kind of started there. You guys both mentioned you have experience there. How do we see this space, you know, in the next 10 to 20 years? Like how will IoT kind of advance healthcare? Obviously, there's a combination of other technologies at play, but. Yeah, I think LoRaWAN and LPWAN is huge for healthcare. One, it doesn't interact with their IT infrastructure, which is key, right? It's a separate network. And that's always important with healthcare because of all the data compliance. So in healthcare right now, it's, it spans the gamut from, again, making sure that medications are stored at proper room temperatures, tracking medical equipment, uh, cleaning automation, finding dementia patients. They tend to wander. I mean, I'm all over the map, but expanding telehealth applications. So during COVID, we there was pop-up tents that came up in parking lots and they used LoRaWAN for the information and the, and the buttons, uh, the nurse buttons and call lights in these pop-up tents. So it's huge. And particularly in healthcare now, and it will be in the future as well, between the burnout from COVID in healthcare and labor shortages and uh, nurses burning out. And actually there's a whole thing where um, nurses are 
uh, retiring at a much greater rate than nurses coming in, the labor shortage has been and is very, very real. And one of the things that LoRaWAN does incredibly well for um, healthcare, other technology systems as well, but particularly for healthcare is supporting the labor, right? You don't need an RN to go check the medication temperature every three hours to make sure, you know, it's all automated and finding, you know, spending time tracking the equipment. So it really helps with the efficiency and with the labor shortages so that the healthcare workers can focus on the patients and the clinical needs and not the tasks that must be done, but doesn't have to be done by them. So it will continue to soar in healthcare in every single aspect of the business. And not just hospital healthcare, but um, home healthcare, again, with telehealth services, with tracking, you know, different types of, you know, safety for kids, or again, Alzheimer's patients, or all settings of healthcare, not just, you know, healthcare systems. Yeah, I think my background, like, prior to telecoms was in home healthcare as well, and low intervention healthcare. And some of that stuff is is interesting when you can improve compliance, when you can start to provide ways to ensure that patients are doing things they need to be doing to improve their health. And then you can start to layer on top of that AI where you can look at, well, is this person actually at risk based on like, you know, three or four different measurements that might be going on in the home. So maybe that's a blood pressure monitor and heart rate, a CPAP machine and how often they're using that machine and looking for trends and looking for predictors that say, well, actually this person needs to go into a clinic now or maybe they don't maybe we don't need to like use unnecessarily you know nurse time to review a patient that actually is is fine at home and so improving the efficiencies based on you know can we do people always need to come to hospital can they be managed at home with um, smart intervention probably i think the other area that's that's really key is logistics and you see that with you know massive worldwide rollout of vaccines and how cold chain works and you know can we ensure that something that has to be delivered at minus 40 degrees centigrade gets from point A to point B without any, you know, temperature spikes in between. Can we improve the way that, you know, we're not shipping things around the country unnecessarily? Can we start to improve that logistic management and track fleets and track containers? Can we make sure that, you know, hospital rooms are well stocked? You know, looking at stocking levels at the edge so that, you know, when something happens, that's, those supplies can be rapidly deployed to that area. Um, I think these are all areas that IoT can really jump in and support healthcare. I think those are great examples, Reg. And the point about the COVID vaccine, we had we have several members that um, have been involved in using LoRaWAN to track the COVID vaccines because of the temperature issue. And in fact, we're doing a lot of work with um, pharmaceuticals in general around, again, storage and, trans- and um, transferring the medications and whatnot. So those are great points. I think we're also seeing this really interesting thing where like ambient measurements of devices. So, I mean, one that I think came out a few years ago was, you know, looking at um, pollution levels in cities and, you know, can you put air quality sensors in many, many more places than, than they were previously? And then can you hyper-localize down to, like, with, this is actually where we need to provide some intervention. And then as well as just that, that read coming off the air quality sensor, are there lots of other indicators that are coming in off other devices, maybe looking at like, people footprints and through traffic and, you know, that we can start to combine and use artificial intelligence and machine learning to predict where healthcare needs to be, needs more intervention. I think these are all areas that, you know, are starting to, are starting to emerge as well and become opportunities. There's a lot of moving pieces there, you know, how do we orchestrate that together or how is that being done right now so that you do end up with net benefits versus, the history of silos that we still see. 
It's called standards. <laughs> standards. So this this is why this is comes back to your role that you yeah. have a very important role for the future. <laughs> very important role. It is. It's a standard. And the standard allows everyone to build to the same interoperable standard and implement it. And then, you know, all of these devices, and again, it's happening right now in cities where they are, again, multiple areas where they're taking multiple data points in different things, you know, in different uh, measurements and bring it together for a key insight or a key action. And again, that's happening all over the world. So it's standards. It's standards that allow the devices to bring the information together and get through the network and have an application server. It's standards. And There's no way any proprietary solution can drive the world like this. I mean, and if you look at it, Wi-Fi is a standard, right? Cellular 3GPP is a standard. And the way I look at it, you've got Wi-Fi, you have cellular, and you have LoRaWAN for the LPWAN side. And those are the three key pillar standards and Bluetooth that are out there really driving all of this. It seems like with the pandemic, with the supply chain issues, with the war in Ukraine, Russia and Ukraine, we've had all these disruptions in our connected sort of global economy. Does the future of IoT allow us to kind of self-heal in a sense? Because we're so connected. I think we've seen the inward of people going like, okay, I need to not be as reliant on like the rest of the world. But does the future of IoT kind of enable us to shift more quickly to other sources, essentially, because we have that information at our fingertips. I'm curious on on how this notion of the connected world and the connection of everything, like how we deal with these macro issues that have created massive disruption. And we've witnessed this in in multiple areas in like, you know, the last three years. COVID solved and helped us out of so many issues during and after that period. And I just had a conversation with my team the other day on this. And when you look at the oil crisis and you look at rates are going up and we hear that actually, you know, people are going to start, unemployment's going to raise again. And you look at all of these key issues. And when I think of Laura Wan and how it supports labor, right? So if the labor shortage is there and how it drives business bottom lines and how it can track you know, assets. And when I look at all of the things that are happening in the world, really, these are some of the tools that we have that can help those exact issues. We actually had a list going of all the key topics and unfortunate things that are happening in the world. And we were looking for just our own interests of all the different ways that LoRaWAN can support each and every one of those crises. I think working in the emerging markets has given me a kind of unique viewpoint on this and it's something that's very dear to my heart. Some of the work that I've, I've been doing before was looking at how you can measure water quality in refugee camps in uh, northern Kenya and Somalia because you don't get these mass diseases if you have clean water. But how do you deliver clean water? You can only deliver clean water if you've got good infrastructure. And how do you ensure you have good infrastructure? You have to have good funding and all those like these pieces have to line up in order for you to get real changeable impact happening at the edge. IoT helps you get that information back faster. And, you know, specific to the war in Ukraine, I mean, it's so new, but you're starting to see, you know, data coming, like data availability and communications in places that, you know, if this was 20 years ago, those places would be annexed entirely and they wouldn't be like, you'd just be very, very dark from a communication standpoint. And now, like with the availability of that data that's, uh, that's there and the availability of communication, both for people and for things, we're going to start to hopefully see healing much faster. You know, and again, so going back to the emerging markets, areas that you know typically have been neglected and typically been 
slow to change by adding these interventions and by adding in sort of the availability of data, you can start to make changes that are really impacting people's livelihoods and people's lives. So yeah, I'm excited about this increased connectivity that's happening, not just in people's homes in America, but around the world as well. It brings forward the truth, right? There's an element of, you know, you can't say one thing and then it's hard to deceive people if if the connected information that's coming from all these different sources is conveyance of the data, right? Of what the truth is. Absolutely. And who you can trust. And like, you know, there's now examples of renewable energies plants kind of popping up all over the world that are now connected to IoT and can now prove that, you know, they are solar generated and not just kind of data that someone's made up out of the sky. And so you can start to see improved, you know, you can actually start to to see business models again coming up out of like micro generation that was previously kind of too hard to manage if it's you know happening in a million places. But, you know, now it's that's available. Donna, your thoughts? Yeah, I'll give you some examples about how the government's driving IoT. So one is the UN, the United Nations 17 Sustainable Goals, right? And that's around air, water, quality. LoRaWAN did kicked off a whole um, launch about LoRaWAN for Good that supported in countries around the world key pieces of the UN Sustainable Goals. There is ESG, right, for companies, environmental governance and sustainability for companies and corporations. And they're really being looked at from their stockholders and the markets and employees about what are you doing for ESG? Again, LoRaWAN plays a huge key in driving ESG and tracking it and monitoring it as well. And, you know, just recently in the U.S., the Biden administration um, has just uh, launched some initiatives around clean air in buildings, clean air in schools specifically. And again, LoRaWAN's already deployed in many, many, many schools for, you know, looking at the CO2 levels and the number of classes and ventilation and humidity. And and so the government is actually driving IoT as well. And some of the funding is coming from there, too, to help support these very critical initiatives. Any thoughts on what we need to do to kind of maintain the human experience and make sure we're designing for you know, what's good for us. I know I know we're hearing the benefits, but it seems like history would tell us there's also some byproduct where, you know, we're not changing as fast. And so it, it caught up in like, you know, hey, we're on phones all day and, you know, not spending time, not connecting with, with each other in a more meaningful way as one example. And there's always pros and cons, you know, to technology, but any thoughts on how we can be more intentional for the future? I think this is an area that's very key. And if we look at you know other technologies, sort of AI, for example, I mean, there are many, many examples of bias AI that's implemented negative things into our society. You know, there's lots of people that are, you know, facial tracking and facial recognition can be used for things that aren't so great. And the same thing with collecting mass amounts of sensor data from everywhere, it can come with come with risks. But I think that, you know, if we like do weigh up the pros and cons, and I think we do need to go into this with open eyes, we can do some really, really amazing work and start to think about how can we ensure people's personal privacy, but still providing a benefit to society that is that is useful. There's a fine line in that. I think it comes with it comes with learning and, and some honest realization of what what is it that we're trying to achieve here? And do we always need to put sensors in everything? Probably not. But is the utility in doing that? Probably in many cases, yes. Thank you. Donna, any thoughts from you? Just that, again, I'll speak specifically to Laura Wan. I mean, the goal of Laura Wan is to not be intrusive, right? To take the information and take action on your own once you've set parameters. So 
you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, what's the downside? And sorry, there, there really isn't. It's about allowing people to have more time to do what they do well and, you know, automate the efficiency of the operations in a way that just keeps m moving, right? And so that's the goal. What are the main social and cultural aspects of IoT as we move forward? In the early days of it, you'll certainly hear a lot of talk about IoT replacing people and jobs and things like that. And we all know how in society that can cause upheaval. Of course, that's what technology does. That's what automation does. That's, you know, we used to build cars by hand and now we do them in factories on assembly line. That's automation. Farmers used to till the soil by hand and then they got horses to help them. And then we invented tractors. Those are innovations of technology that make it easier to do more with less. And so IoT is just another kind of innovation like that. It's gonna help augment people. People and machines will work together. I think as artificial intelligence gets better and better over time, you'll see more humans and machines and artificially intelligent systems working together side by side to accomplish tasks. My last question is around disconnecting. You know, we're connecting more and more as, as human beings. How do we also be intentional about, about disconnecting? And can the technology that we're creating and connecting, can that also help us? I don't disconnect well, so I'm probably not a good person to ask <laughs> that. I don't know. I'm not one that's so deep into technology that feels like it rules me. But I am so appreciative of the technology that I use and the efficiencies and the connections that it gives me. So I don't feel overwhelmed by it all. But again, I'm not, I don't have a zillion gadgets in my house and, you know, everything connected. But the stuff I have, like I said, is, I can't imagine because it really makes me more efficient. I think for me, it's, it's about how do we continue to enable human connection. And I think anything that reduces our pure screen time can be seen as a good thing. And I think IoT and edged and physical devices rather than purely digital devices or physical devices and enhanced by digital can start to enable that. We don't need to kind of go to our, our phone or our smartwatch to do things now that can happen in the background without our intervention is, is great. When we don't need to spend as much time you know, fiddling and thinking about technology as we can just living our lives and technology kind of manages things behind the scenes, um, as I think is, I think, a good thing. And so I think I would like to hope that IoT ends at this point where it's sort of sitting in the background, it's not ever present in our minds, but it's doing all the things that we can spend more time with, with people and spend more time with, with other humans rather than managing technology. Well said. <laughs> Let's end on that note. Thanks for your insights and wisdom and both of you guys, Reg, for the work you did and are doing that touches people around the world, the strategies you have and have implemented for the likes of you know, refugee camps in Kenya. And Donna, for your work as a leader in advancing the internet of everything and, and the opportunity it has to get help companies from all their biggest problems, but also save lives, you know, and your roots in that space and thinking about how we can we can build a better world together and design that together, knowing that technology is a key part and will be a key part of that future. Thank you. I um, really enjoyed learning from you and look forward to continuing to learn. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Reg. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Donna. The Future of Podcasts is brought to you by Fresh Consulting. To find out more about how we pair design and technology together to shape the future, visit us at freshconsulting.com. 
Make sure to search for the future of an Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And on behalf of our team here at Fresh, thank you for listening.